This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, February 23rd. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Ride Festival rides out of Town Park. Parklets prevail. Telluride talks noise. And a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Ride Festival will once again be a Town Park-less affair this year. Originally slated to return to Town Park in 2022, the Rock and Roll Festival announced on Tuesday it would instead have a similar format to last year, with several bands playing at venues throughout Telluride. We've just discovered over time that trying to produce an event of that size in the middle of July is becoming progressively harder. That's festival director Todd Creel. You know, there's just not very much lodging available. Um, The town and the open space condition just reduced our camping by about 20%. And we already don't have access to Warner Field. So we really only have like a thousand campers available. The final straw came earlier this month when one of the planned headliners pulled out. They were concerned that there isn't enough lodging and camping to support the 9,000 people at the event. If that had happened a few months ago, he says, they might have had other options. But by February, he explains, booking another band is really difficult. Creel wouldn't say who the planned headliner was. But there will still be music in the Box Canyon just after the 4th of July, just not in Town Park. Performers will take the stage at the Sheridan Opera House, the Transfer Warehouse, O'Banion's Moon Saloon, and the Ride Lounge. We're really excited about Archangels, who are doing a reunion They've only played a few shows in recent years. It's kind of a super group with Charlie Sexton and Doyle Bramhall and uh, the rhythm section for Stevie Ray Vaughan. They're going to crush it at the Opera House. They're just playing one night on Saturday. And then we have some you know, local favorites like Black Pistol Fire, and Big Something, North Mississippi All-Stars, and others that will be playing in you know, more intimate venues. So it won't be the fun in the park that everyone's used to. Uh, but it will be good live music and at quality settings. The shows will be mostly individually ticketed, Creel says, but there will be a limited number of all-access festival passes to get you into any venue. As for whether the Ride Festival will ever return to its previous town park iteration... I can't really foresee going back into the park in mid-July. It's just not realistic. But that doesn't mean Creel is out of the Telluride music game. There's really not much live music going on in town. I mean, the Opera House does a pretty good job, but a lot of the places that used to do music don't anymore. And so I'm going to start focusing more attention on doing music throughout the year instead of one weekend a year in July and doing music at the Ride Lounge and some shows at the Opera House and other places, other venues, and just try to uh, breathe a little more life back into the live music scene here in Telluride. Creel says he still loves the area and wants to keep bringing music to it. But to keep it up, he says, they have to pivot. The 2022 Ride Festival will take place in venues throughout Telluride from Wednesday, July 6th to Sunday the 10th. Tickets go on sale this Friday. Small outdoor dining parklets will dot the streets of Telluride once more this summer. Parklets emerged during the pandemic as a way to expand dining for restaurants facing capacity restrictions. Now, even with local COVID restrictions lifted, Telluride is looking to keep parklets in place, potentially for the long term. Town Council discussed the possibility at a work session on Tuesday. 
On the whole, council is supportive of having parklets around town, but it's not without consideration. Council member Lars Carlson says he's heard concerns from businesses who feel a parklet isn't equitable. Uh, I've heard from a couple different businesses that have rooftop decks and pay at additional rent. And they're like, well, it's, it's not fair to us if we pay additional rent when these other parklets are getting it for a pretty nominal fee. Carlson suggests raising the fee or rent for parklets, potentially to compensate for the income the town is losing from the parking spaces the parklet takes up. Councilmember Dan Enright also worries about the look of the parklets themselves. One of the major critiques I've heard and I've felt at times is that some of them look sort of slipshod, haphazard, and just sort of slapped together. And I'd like to see a little more refinement in some of the designs in that. He notes if the town is requiring businesses to invest more money into their parklets, it should be with the security of allowing them for at least several years. During public comment, Megan Osla, who owns the butcher and the baker, was comfortable with guidelines for parklets, but urged council to not place too strict requirements on the businesses. The spaces that we use in the street are sort of reflective of our businesses as a whole. So a fine dining restaurant with a space uh, in the street might need something different than a place like mine, which is grab and go. Uh, And so having a similar design guideline might be better than making them all look the same. She adds her full support for keeping parklets into the future. You know, regardless of whether or not this summer is the same as last summer or busier or whatever, there are more and more people coming to town. And I think we just need to recognize that they need places to be. And uh, I think the parklets added a really nice, healthy environment. But not everyone was in support. Organizers of the 4th of July parade shared concerns, as did Marilyn Branch with the Telluride Balloon Festival. The festival uses Main Street for the balloon glow. It's hard enough to get eight to ten balloons to do an inflation on the street. They normally do it in a field uh, in bigger events, but they love the challenge of inflating their balloons and providing the uh, glow. Branch asks that parklets aren't put in place until after the balloon glow. That will take place in the first week of June. Anita Cody works with the Autumn Classic, formerly known as Cars and Colors. She also has concerns about the amount of space parklets take up on Main Street, but she also believes they add an unfair advantage for restaurants. When a restaurant bought their property, they knew their seating capacity. It was great when COVID was going on and we needed the space but now they're using public parking property for their extra revenue and i just think it's it's just not fair they just they need to you know work within the confines of their property council member geneva shawnette however believes the town should focus on the general good of the public throughout the summer rather than several specific events i think that we should be gearing main street to be a place for pedestrians as opposed to cars more and a good compromise is to do that through parklets but not all of council was on board mayor delaney young has concerns about extending the parklets beyond this summer i'm going to be the stick in the mud and i'm going to say i'm not necessarily supportive of this but the other four members of council who are here today have spoken very clearly 
Following discussion, council was in support of allowing parklets for the foreseeable future with a debrief after this summer to identify consistency and design guidelines. It also supported raising fees for parklets and keeping them for restaurants only. Telluride Town Council will further discuss and vote on an outdoor dining agreement, including parklets, at its March 22nd meeting. There's a lot of noises in Telluride. Bird calls, Abbey bombs, snow plows, your friendly neighborhood radio station, and of course, live music. On Tuesday, Telluride Town Council began discussing potential changes to the town's noise regulations. Assistant Town Attorney Allie Slayton began the discussion with an overview of town policies on amplified noise. Outdoor amplified sound um, cannot be allowed if it is heard 50 feet away. Indoor amplified sound is not allowed between the hours of 9 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. if it can be heard 50 feet away. Other town Slayton notes have decibel limits for what counts as a noise violation. Telluride doesn't. Instead, just saying it shouldn't be heard a certain distance away. Council is largely in favor of changing that. Here's council member Dan Enright. In comparison to other Colorado ski towns, um, it seems that our noise ordinances are more stringent, and I am in favor of somewhat loosening that. Council members Lars Carlson and Geneva Shawnette agree. There was more music in our town 35 years ago than there is now. We're losing the the funk that makes Telluride great, and I think we just got to keep... I, I mean, people have a right to quiet enjoyment, but I think we need to, to find a, a happy medium for everybody. Having later time on Fridays and Saturdays makes a lot of sense as well. And because a lot of, you know, it's really hard to run a successful music venue when you have to stop at 9 p.m. Councilmember Mian Fee, though, acknowledges the impact sound can have on neighbors. She knows she can hear venues from her home four blocks away. Changing the code, she thinks, can also help with enforcement. I think when we have a noise ordinance that is overly vague, it gives um, the flexibility for um, the staff to be able to adjust based on the set of circumstances, but it also does not give them clear direction on how to proceed. As far as adding specific decibel limits, Chief Marshal Josh Compt thinks if there are limits, there should be separate ones for residential and business areas. Because if we're going to set a limit for a decibel and at a business it may be allowable, how do I enforce that then at a house party that's you know, blaring their music and affecting their neighbors but doesn't reach that decibel level that you guys have agreed upon that wouldn't then necessarily be in violation of the noise ordinance but sure as heck to serve in that person's peace. Comp says he can check in with other agencies to see how they're enforcing their own decibel limits. During public comments, several people supported loosening the noise ordinances. Here's Delton Poole and Greg Craig. My general stance on things is that if you do not like the noise level, then perhaps you should rethink living in the um, the greatest populated part of the entire county. i chosen to live down here for 30 years knowing that there is that noise, and it's part of a vibrant downtown. So I strongly support um, some changes because to me, the current town code is incredibly restrictive. But others were against loosening the rules. Arthur Goldberg lives next to the transfer warehouse. These outdoor events that go on, whether it's nine o'clock or or even after, but when our walls are shaking and we cannot turn our television up to the point where we can even hear it, that is excessive. And when you read the noise ordinance and the way that it's worded, clearly it is a violation. Okay. The um, we are not objecting to the idea of music. 
It's the idea of outdoor music played at extremely loud volumes that make it untenable for us to be in our home. Mark Lowe's also lives near the transfer warehouse. He thinks the potential impact of changes to the codes need to be studied more. There seem to be some false assumptions that somehow uh, the noise ordinance needs to be loosened in order to increase music venues. As I understand it right now, we have a number of venues that are not fully booked. And then the question is, why is that? Is it because they can't operate past a certain time or is it the decibel level limitation? And we shouldn't just assume that by increasing one or the other, we'll have the impact we want. No final decisions were made at Tuesday's meeting, but council was largely in favor of exploring adding decibel limits, as well as allowing music later at certain times in certain places. Council plans to continue to discuss changes to local noise ordinances at their next meeting on March 22nd. Telluride officially has guidelines in place for impending small cell wireless or 5G antennas. 5G antennas are smaller than the traditional wireless towers, but they exist closer to people's day-to-day lives. They will likely appear on the sides of buildings or connected to light poles. During a town council discussion on small cell this week, Mayor Delaney Young noted adopting regulations on 5G is a protective measure for the town because 5G is, for all intents and purposes, inevitable. Approval of 5G technology in Telluride is not a fact of whether or not we want to or not. It is federally mandated that we must have it. We are simply trying to provide guidelines to protect aspects of our town, such as historical consideration. The new guidelines include requirements for size, height, design, and placement. Council passed the regulations 5-1, to one, with Council Member Jesse Ray Arguez voting against. Council Member Adrian Christie was not present for the vote. The last few days have shown Telluride is not done with winter. With over two feet of snow in the last week, it's been a boon for the white stuff. But what's good for the NAR can also be bad for the roads. The Colorado Department of Transportation plans winter maintenance operations on several mountain passes this week. CDOT says high country passes have received significant amounts of snow and avalanche mitigation is required. CDOT anticipates mitigation on Thursday on Lizardhead Pass, but closure times have yet to be determined. The department also anticipates Thursday maintenance on U.S. Highways 160, 550, and 50. A new survey of Western voters is out with opinions from across eight states in the region. The State of the Rockies poll from Colorado College found 9 in 10 Westerners say inadequate water supply is a serious problem. Concern about water issues is up as continued dry conditions strain the Colorado River Basin. Voters in the area overwhelmingly support conserving water over diversions to cities. The survey also found 9 in 10 people supported boosting federal funding for clean water access for rural and tribal communities, many of which have historically lacked water and sanitation infrastructure. Many Colorado election officials say they have felt more uncomfortable at work over the last two years than ever before. They're facing new threats from residents still questioning the results of the last presidential election. They're also struggling to stop misinformation and conspiracy theories. 
KOTO's Scott Franz spoke to one county clerk who has faced so many threats, she's installed bulletproof glass. Chafee County Clerk Lori Mitchell says the threats against her office began on social media shortly after the 2020 election. We did all the proper channels of reporting them uh, anything to the sheriff and to the proper FBI and, and whatever we had to do, all of those things that were taken down, but it still was very unnerving. Uh, for me and my family. Things got worse last summer. Mitchell was driving about a block away from her office in Salida. It's a small town on the banks of the Arkansas River, surrounded by sprawling ranches and mountains. She noticed something alarming. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw somebody lay their right hand over their left arm and pull what looked like a trigger to me. And so I, I ducked in my car, and uh, it was a squirt gun, and it splashed on my window, and I was just really worked up about it for, for a number of days. The events have been so troubling, Mitchell says she considered not running for re-election. I mean, it's upsetting. I thought, I don't want to live like this, you know? But then it's bigger than me, and I'm not going to back down because then they win. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do it well, and, um, and that's what I can guarantee for the citizens of my county. More than 100 miles away at the state capitol, lawmakers, including Jennifer Bacon, are trying to help. Intimidation is real, and it needs to be stopped. Bacon is sponsoring the Vote Without Fear Act. It would make it illegal to openly carry a gun within 100 feet of a polling place. Colorado would join just a handful of states with the policy. The fact that we need to even bring this bill in 2022 is a sign of the times, but also it's a sign that this will not be tolerated because this is not who we are as a nation. The bill is advancing quickly with the support of Democrats. Republicans, like Representative Patrick Neville of Castle Rock, are fighting it. Frankly, I fear gun-free zones, and this bill essentially creates that. Republicans say the state's menacing laws are already protecting voters and election workers. Meanwhile, Democrats also want to pay for security details for public servants and punish people who threaten them. Senator Brittany Pedersen of Lakewood is leading the effort. One in three U.S. election officials feel unsafe on the job. One in six reported being threatened because of their work. These are people who are ensuring that we have free and fair elections and that believe in this country and are public servants. They are being threatened for doing their jobs. But back in Salida, County Clerk Lori Mitchell is not waiting for Pedersen and other lawmakers to take action. She's taking me on a tour of her office and pointing out new security features she installed last year. My staff feels safer with this here. It's a bulletproof wall, and then the wall is bulletproof, and then we have glass here. That is the clerks now talk to the public through this small bubble of glass. Mitchell says she doesn't like having to literally wall off her office, but the growing threats have made it necessary. She is also considering starting a website dedicated to fighting conspiracy theories and misinformation about elections in her county. But then now it's like, it's so beyond the pale, the craziness, it's, I think that's why it's hard to combat because it's like, oh my God, what the heck is going on? Mitchell says she never thought her job would get this risky. She was a golf pro and a photographer before she became a county clerk in 2014. She says the first six years were rewarding as she helped people get marriage licenses and ran elections with little controversy. Now she thinks the threats against election workers will be a tough issue for lawmakers to solve. But uh, I'm hoping somebody 
uh, can help us get an answer. And it's obviously not just going to be one thing. It's going to be a multi-pronged approach to, to try to make us uh, safe. I'm Scott Franz in Salida, Colorado. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Three to five inches of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday should be cloudy with a 40% chance of snow and a high in the mid-20s. Thursday night expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the single digits and wind chill as low as negative 15 degrees. Friday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high near 30 degrees and wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday night should be partly cloudy with a low around zero. This has been the news for Wednesday, February 23rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. 